Hi, everybody. Uh, welcome to Conversations with Calvin, We the Species. Uh, and chronologically, uh, this is Saturday, November 5th. Uh, and we're trying to really keep it chronological. So um, what a, a special time uh, for me to spend with Diane Uniman, who is wearing a tiara, which means there's a, a another uh, name associated, Princess Diane von Brainersfried. And she's going to explain that shortly uh I, I gotta do a little bit of an introduction because uh it's important to do an introduction uh because diane and i uh, met five years ago uh interestingly she was at the garden state film festival as a presenting she can talk about that later but uh uh and i was there as a journalist covering it and and actually that that night diane was significantly transformative in my life having met you and Amy and Dr. Bachman, um, because uh, it, it changed the whole course and direction of my life. So it, it was very poignant for me. But I, I was wearing this hat. Uh, I was wearing this hat, and, and Dr. Bachman, who's the director of the Women's Health Institute at Rutgers, Robert Johnson Medical School, came over uh, to me. We talk about this all the time. Um, uh, and, and asked if I was a Rutgers professor, and, and back then I wasn't five years ago. I've since been a Rutgers professor. It's like she was very prophetic. Uh, and uh, and then, of course, uh, uh, a few months later, you and I and Amy became members of the advisory committee of the Women's Health Institute at Rutgers Robert Johnson Medical School, a, a huge uh, honor for me to have done that uh and and of course um uh we're here now and 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 i've got this channel and i interview uh and and the, i i gotta say the title of, of this we we were hammering it out it has to be a special title the title of our our little session today uh is diane uniman uh I, i'm gonna read it because we just wrote it out uh uh, certified Positive Psychology Life Coach. Uh, make Mondays, and this is very important because we're going to talk about that, Make Mondays Marvelous Seminar, which she's going to be doing starting November 14th uh, at Myers and JCC in New York. It's, it's a virtual thing where, uh, in parenthesis, she's going to talk a lot about inner peace, part of it. Um, and then uh, she's a breast cancer survivor. Uh, and she's the author uh, of Bonjour, Breast Cancer, I'm Still Smiling, uh, which I have had. Uh, and, um, and she's also a lawyer. And she writes um, musicals and screenplays. Uh, that's a full, <laughs> by the way, that's a full, uh, it's a full day's, <laughs> it's a full day's worth of stuff uh and uh it, it's just to me uh, you know i i think about it, it her journey and and also phi beta kappa at the university of pennsylvania uh just uh uh in the musicals and the screenplays so there's so much uh to you and one more thing to say because i have to say it you're going to talk about positivity and all this, these other, and that's what we're going to talk about today. We were just talking about this um, last week or two. I, I saw a blurb, uh, and, and this is so you and what your journey is about, that the, the science is beginning to understand the the force and the power of positivity, that it, it, with a positive attitude and stuff, you can actually manipulate the inner workings up here health-wise, genetic-wise, gene-wise. And it's and we just said this before we went on air. It's like, wow, we don't know anything yet. But <laughs> you're on the right track with the whole positivity thing. And that's why this interview is so... Anyway, um, I'm done. <laughs> I mean, my monologue uh, is done. And, you know, um, I, I think the first question to ask, because you're wearing a tiara, uh, is can you 
tell how you became Princess uh, Diane von Brainus Prize? Yes. Well, first, I'm going to quote my father-in-law, <laughs> who always used to say, all of my stories are true. Some are truer than others. <laughs> I like that. Joe Uniman, the like senior. That. So that being said, I was rummaging through my parents' closet one day, and on my father's side of the closet, I found an ancient coat of arms. And that's how I found out I was related to royalty. But I assure you, I get my legs from the mother's side. <laughs> Which you can't see, so I can lie about that too. <laughs> so, but the the name, so that that was the name. Your oh, brain is fried. You okay. know, it's a little bit of a play on words yes. for that because I love. Um, so one of the things I love to do is I I feel, and some of my screenplays and musicals are about this too about not having to lose your childhood innocence as you go through life. Why? It's so much fun to still retain the fun that you have. So being princessy, it's kind of the fun thing. And I get to do it again with the brain is fried. So it's not serious. So, you know, I don't look like a total idiot. <laughs> Jury's out on that one. <laughs> and, and, but I feel by doing that too, I give license to other people. It's kind of like part of the whole package. I give license to other people to enjoy life to the fullest. I mean, it's not for nothing that people like to go down to Disneyland. The parents too, right? Why? Because it's a joy. It's in that area of life that's still fun and playful. So I feel by doing this, not only do I have fun and I don't take myself seriously with it, but it's just fun. Um, but I feel in addition, I'm kind of walking the talk on helping people, you know, have playfulness still in their lives. So that's great. Uh, I, I want to uh, just show the, the flyer. Part of the the energy of this uh, interview is to talk about, and you will talk about it uh, for sure. But I want to uh, just alert uh, alert the media, um, alert the audience that you're going to be doing a series, a virtual three-part seminar called Make Mondays Marvelous. Um, and you're going to be doing that. Uh, it's going to be virtually hosted by Mar Marlene Mars at JCC Manhattan, which is yes, famous, so for, the, that. It's famous for that. And there'll be an address here. To, uh, you can uh, in, sign up for one individual session uh, or all three beginning Monday, the 14th of November. Um, and this is the flyer which everybody will see because I'm going to be, um, you know, throwing that up on, on social media. So, uh, that's part of the, the reason why we're together, you and I, here on this Saturday morning, pre Rutgers football. Um, <laughs> um, uh, so, um, tell us a little bit about your, yourself. Um, uh, and, and how you became an, an expert in, in happiness and, and optimism and positivity you exude. Oh, you're so sweet. Well, um, I, so, you know, I, my background is as a lawyer and I practiced for quite a long time, maybe 25, 30 years. Wow. And I'm still a lawyer because you don't unlawyer yourself. <laughs> But I, I went in a new direction in terms of where I wanted to focus, of course, with the screenplays and musicals as well. But I was transitioning. I wanted to transi transition to something that, that was becoming more and more aligned with my soul to help other people. And I, um, and I was in the city one day and I was kind of like, what else could I do? What else I could do? And I was kind of like, I started to cry because like I was thinking, I'm not trained to do anything else. And then I thought to myself, oh my gosh. I can do something else. And I started laughing because the thing that I am known for is laughter. Like I just let, I, I get in trouble for laughter. <laughs> That's what I do. And I thought, oh my gosh, if I could do a deep dive and to figure out why I laugh so much, perhaps I could help other people. Uh, and then I decided I won't, I'm not going to do it as laughter because I don't want people to think I'm a stand-up comedian. I will do it in what it really is, is a feeling of lightness of being and positivity. So I did the deep dive and the deep dive came up with so many, so many ideas of why so many, so many characteristics 
about me that helped me fly light. And I had so many. And then, and then I ended up, someone actually told me about, you know, becoming a certified positive psychology life coach. So I decided that's really, wow. I, I decided to, to do that. And as I was learning through that course, I realized everything they're touching on is what I'm, is what I am. It was, so it corroborated that I was in the right area and that I was going down the right. So then I decided to get certified from Yale in, um, in, in, uh, like, like a light happiness life and, um, you know, the science of happiness really. And, um, I attend the school of practical philosophy. Um, and so I kind of made sure that I buttressed what I was doing with, with real, I became a laughter yoga, certified laughter yoga leader. (laughs) I could have told you that, right? Is that real? That's yes, a real, it's a real thing. It's, it's really, thing. it's so much fun. So anyway, all these things kind of coalesced. And um, and and then I decided to teach it. And then lo and behold, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. And then, the and and it's funny because my one of my sons said, this is ultimately after we kind of got through everything and, um, you know, the shock of it all and their fear element was mitigated by positivity, the way we all handled it. Um, we, <laughs> he said, there, I teach this too. There's a gift in everything and you have to find it. But one of the gifts is I, I have a lot of street cred now. Because <laughs> like the idea is, you know, I said to myself, how are you going to be Miss Positive now, you know, now with breast cancer? And then, but I did because I made the decision to do that. So that's kind of how everything's happening. And I feel like I'm super qualified to show people the way to not lose your happiness mojo, even when trauma strikes. And that's what the book was about. Bonjour, breast cancer. I'm still smiling with wisdom and optimism for beating the breast cancer blues. All the things that I learned through that journey that apply to life or apply to anything that you get that's traumatic. Um, And it's funny, a little digress here a little bit. My brother said to me when I first was diagnosed and then after a little while, you know, why don't you write about it? And interestingly, I said to myself, no, I'm not going to write about this because I said to myself, if you're going to remain positive, don't dwell. You're going to be dwelling if you write on, you're sticking your head in it, right? Every day, instead of, you know, looking to the future. But what happened was I started having so many epiphanies that I, that were helping me get, get through the whole trauma. I was writing them down for myself to remember. And then I realized I have so much here to help other people. It has to be a book. And that's how that all happened. So that was my, that's my positivity journey of how I ended up teaching it and being immersed in it. That's how this was born. That's how that was born. And it wasn't going to be born because I said to myself, I wasn't going to do it. I thought I would be dwelling. I thought that was, and it could be dwelling. But when I realized I was, I would help people with it. By the way, I'm, I'm looking at this, and, 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 and something just registered. I've had this this book for a couple of years. Uh, you have a tattoo on your face. Yes, I did. It, it, it was during uh, one of the marathons, I think, that was sponsored in New York, that was sponsored by France. You know how they're different. They have a right. Scotland run. And the, so I was completely bald in that picture. I had what's called a halo wig on where it's open at the top so that you can, not so hot. And then the hair, you know, it's fake hair. Right. And I have my scarf. And I said to my, they were doing face painting. I'm thinking, I have no hair. What the heck? I'm getting a whole big Eiffel Tower on my cheek. What the heck? Right. (laughs) Because I'm a Francophile anyway. So it all, so interestingly, my husband took that picture. Interestingly, when I was thinking, what could I do for the cover of the book? I thought, oh my gosh, there's this great photo that has me with the tattoo and the bald you know, and the, and the bonjour, cause I'm a Frank, it all fit. And we decided to use that picture for the book. Okay. Um, do you, do you believe in, in your world and your experiences, do you believe that the people can become happier um, or are they, uh, they're stuck uh, at a level of happiness that they were born with? If they're stuck, how, how can they become happier? So, this is a whole happy thing here. That is a great question. And it's one of the reasons it's a great question is because if people think that they're stuck, 
genetically in however they are from a happiness factor. And if they don't feel so happy, they would not be motivated to try to do things or learn things that can become happier. And the good news is there's a lot of research out there. One researcher is called Sonia Lubomirsky. I don't know if I'm saying her name right, where she did a study. She does a pie graph and 40, they've studied that 40% of that pie graph of, of you can absolutely become happier uh, by, by attitude changes, uh, by practices. 10% is circumstances. So like if you wanted to be married, married and you had some situation and you're not, and that made you unhappy or, you know, of course, you know, poverty levels and things like that, but circumstantially can also be changed too, theoretically. So I love to say like 50% of your happiness can be buoyed, but let's just conservatively say 40%. And then the other 40% maybe is the DNA that you're not necessarily going to change. Um, even if those percentages are off, it shows the reality that you can change. Mm -hmm. That's what I teach. I teach the happiness. And I don't only see, here's the thing that I love to say. I don't only tell you what to do. I don't just say, oh, here's a practice and here's a practice. I give you strategies, how the how to. And this is so important. I, I love to give the example. I, I sing opera as an avocation. Wow. And one of my first teachers, uh, soprano, okay. One of my first teachers said, okay, you've got to get your uvula down. <laughs> and I'm going, I don't even know what my uvula is, let alone getting it down, right? That's an example of telling someone what to do, a practice for a soprano versus how to. So he could tell me all day, get your uvula down. I'm not doing anything, right? Other subsequent teachers they didn't even mention my uvula. They said strategies. They would say, imagine an inner yawn or, you know, sucking the air through a straw backwards or imagine the a cathedral. These are strategies, not just practice. And that's what I am all about, the how to. And it's really important. Yeah, it is important. Uh, it's life. It's, it's it's so important. Tell me how. How to be happier. Okay, I'm telling you, because I know. It's so... By the way, uh, I, I don't know. I just I read uh, also a couple of weeks ago. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. So it was some staggering, staggering figure of how many people in America. I think it was 90% uh, have, have, you know mental health happiness issues by the way i i should have, i think i saved that i have a whole stack of things that i saved but that was it was horrifying how many people in this country uh are unhappy and depressed about things uh there's lots of reasons to be depressed uh so your your and this is a good segue you know your your work and your thoughts and ideas which you're now going to put together uh, in um, this newest seminar you're doing, which is virtual, uh, 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 Marlene Myers and JCC in Manhattan, and it's called Make Mondays Marvelous. Um, there's three seminars that people can take one. I'll have the address here. Uh, they can take an individual. They can do all three. You can mix and match. Um, what are some of the things you're going to be covering? Okay, great. So in week one, and again, as Cal said, you can take individual ones. They do build, but you won't, you'll be able to pick up. You just won't have the categories that I'm dealing with in each one. So um, the first one is first steps to happiness and well-being. And the, week two is breakthrough attitudes for a wonderful life. And week three is crafting your big, bold, unique, wonderful life, as well as, and then in in one of them will be my secret million dollar question for inner peace. <laughs> you always have to have a little trick. <laughs> you, you just said first steps. Uh, can you give us like a little peek? What are our first steps? Yes. And it sounds like something so simple. You should know it by yourself, but people don't generally know it. I say you need to learn to think in 3D. And what do I mean by that? three D's, the letter D, 
You need to have a desire to be happier. That's important. People don't realize that. You have to then make a decision that you're going to be happier. And then you have to do what it takes. You have to do the doing. So it's 3D thinking. And um, that is really, really important because if somehow being unhappy and not positive is serving you in a way, for example, if a victimhood, victimhood mentality is serving you and you don't want to get out of it, no judgment here, but you might not, you, you don't understand, you, you'd have to make the decision that you'd want to drop that. So I always say you have to desire and sometimes when people's eyes are enlightened to that, you realize, whoa, I realize I'm maybe I don't have the desire to be happier. So when someone sees in 3D, when they have the desire to be happier, and then they make the decision, and then they do, this is the doing is what I teach. Um, this is where you can make, this is where you can go to those next levels of your life. And there's metaphors for that, that I have in the, uh, that, that I often, I, I think it'll take too much time here now, but I have a metaphor about a, your lawn, growing your lawn. Don't, don't give too much away. I'm, I'm teasing you. I don't even know if I have it in this one, <laughs> but I won't give that away. Okay. Um, in, in your, in your Mondays, uh, you're going to be talking about breakthrough attitudes for, for happiness and something called the goblet, a half full, which is, I know it's a play on, um, because you're you're keeping in character, uh, which is a twist on the phrase. You know, the glass is half full. Right. Um, since you are uh, Princess Diane von Brainerd, uh, can you just kind of talk about that a little bit? Absolutely. Um, so the metaphor of the well-known glass half full thinking, the question is: the glass half full or is the glass half full empty? The answer is, they're both true. The goblet is both half empty and half full. So the question you need to ask yourself, and the reason this is relevant, it's what, what it, it's the issue is what is your focus going to be? What focus do you desire and decide and do to focus on? And um, there's a great legend that I will give away that I talk about because it's so wonderful. It's the, uh, and it's a popular legend. So many of your listeners might know this. It's about the Cherokee grandpa and his young son. And the Cherokee grandpa is um, trying to explain to his, his grandson actually uh, what life is life. And he says, you know, inside of everyone are two wolves. And one wolf is an evil wolf and one wolf is a good wolf and they fight, okay? The evil and the good wolf inside of everybody, they fight. I guess it's kind of like the angel, the bad angel, the good angel on your shoulder thing, but this is lovely with the wolf. And um, the little grandson says, jeezy peasy lemon squeezy grandpa. I don't think that's what he really says, but in my version, which wolf is going to win? And the grandpa says, the one you feed, the one, the wolf you feed, which is the exact same thing as focusing, what focus you are. And, and a good dear friend of mine, who's kind of my own Sherpa, she's no longer with us. She passed away. Her name was Fanny. I talk about her all the time. Talk about her in my book. Fanny used to say in terms of emotions, they're like a muscle. So the emotion that you exercise gets stronger, right? And the, mo the muscle that you let go atrophies, it's the same thing. It's what do you focus on? What do you feed? So really the glass half, the goblet half full and the goblet half empty, what you look at and what you focus on is, is really feeding the good wolf. And um, to someone who might say, well, isn't that not reality? Isn't that Pollyanna thinking? That's an, uh, that's an old school reference. Pollyanna was a, a book about a, you know, a, a girl who played the glad game and she saw things bright, but she decided to do it. And to that, I would say, what is your alternative? Okay, if you want to lead a happier life and a more positive life, you're not trying to fool yourself that these other things don't exist you are 
working strategies to make your life <clears throat> livable and more pleasant. If you have a pain somewhere, let's say a, a, a you know a really bad headache, okay. Do you say to yourself, well, the reality is I have a headache. I'm not taking an aspirin because I'm not undoing the reality of my headache. It's like, wait a minute, mm. I have a headache. Let's try to mitigate it. I'm not denying that I have a headache, but I'd like to, it's really the same type of a thing. Nothing is not reality. It's your focus is your desire to live a better life. And that's the point. And that's what I teach, not pulling wool over your own eyes. It's not that if you can't get past that, you know, you, you know, it's going to be very hard for you. Um, but sometimes it's just eye opening to look at, I talk about small shifts in thinking. That's really just a small shift in thinking where you realize they're like aha moments, like, aha, I never really thought about that. You know, I, I like to give the analogy. Okay. There's two sides of a street. One's a sunny stride and one's a cloudy side. You know that the, and, and you're cold, you're chilly on the, on the cloudy side and the sunny side, you'll be warmer. You know, both sides of the street exist. You're not fooling yourself, but a wise person would carefully looking both ways, walk over to the sunny side saying, listen, I want to feel better. I know the cloudy side's there, but I'm going to choose the sunny side. It's the same thing. Same thing. Um, there, I'm, I'm formulating a question. There are just some people that glass is going to always be half empty, correct? Is, I there, think is there any power on earth is going to make it, so I think, is there an, by the way, is, is, and I'm not talking politics now, but is there an analogy? Is there a, is there some kind of relation to a glass being uh, half full, half empty? Uh, and sometimes the way people view the world. Um, I, so here's what I've learned in philosophy class, the school of practical philosophy. You can, it's an online virtual class. It's wonderful. I've been taking for years. We talk about really awareness, who we are in truth and awareness. I think what I'm all about is creating awareness for people. I think some people, first of all, they might not know that they can change because they don't understand that, you know, the genetics and the epigenetics of everything. The epigenetics is turning off. I'm not going to go science on you because I'm, you know, I'll leave that to the scientists. But I know there's something called epigenetics where you can turn off certain genes, I guess. But they, if you know that it's possible to change no matter how. Now, again, there are chemical depressions in people that, you know, disclaimer here is some people actually need real help, whether it's chemical or psychiatric, and that's an absolute, and we all know that. So I'm not talking about the class of people, and if those people feel they need that kind of help, please, I encourage you to get it. So that's a different ball game. And I don't know the percentages on that, but I dare say it's not most people, okay? And even, even those people can be helped with strategies, but I just don't know if those people can actually be helped out of the funk that they're really in. So you can't beat yourself up if you're in that category. And if you think you're in that category, seek help. Not, no shame on that. Okay, but for you know others who are not in the category of a re needing really medical help, um, they might not be aware of their ability to make these changes. And they might not be aware of the idea that, oh, wait, wait, I realize I talk all the time about decisions. They may not be aware of how powerful a decision is to make the changes. It's only when you make that decision, you, you can desire it. It's like if you're wanting to, you know, eat more healthy, perhaps get some weight off if you need to, if your doctor told you you need to or whatever, you can desire that. But until it comes to a decision to make the life changes, the desire just stays and that's it. So so not only can you, you realize, okay, I have a desire, but I have to make that decision. And then even once you make the decision, if you don't bring the good food into your house, you're not going to be able to do the do. So there's, you, you don't really see it in those terms until that's an aha mo moment. Mm -hmm. I can make these changes, but I have to see in 3D. And, and that's, and that's what I'm here for really. Once you've, to give you that awareness. And once you have that awareness, 
to give you all the, the dues. Okay. Um, this is a, a, an interesting topic for me, uh, forgiveness. Um, if you can say a couple of words about the transformational power of forgiveness. I, I know personally uh, that if I don't forgive and I harbor, um, uh, it just ain't good. Uh, so there's something you can say about this power to forgive. Absolutely. So interestingly, when I was talking about earlier about the deep dive that I did about why I laugh so much and why I have a lightness of being the very first thing that I realized was that I forgive very easily. I would say I forgive everything. I'm not aware enough to know if I actually do that, but I think that I do that. But I'm also known by that I will forgive if you've done something to me and then you're upset or something, let's say, and you say, oh, I'm sorry. Even if you don't say I'm sorry, this is the reason. My friend Fanny also told me this a long time ago and she was a Holocaust survivor. And she would always say, forgive, forgive, but don't forgive for the other person, forgive for yourself. That is a big thing. If you harbor, I call it, you know, forgive to live and budge the grudge. That's what I say. If you harbor this, you're the one who gets eaten up alive. And medically, there's research out there that if you have, if you harbor these feelings, it's very, very bad for your health for so many reasons. Heart, you know, uh, your immune system, it's really, really bad for you for so many reasons, but you won't fly light either. So it's, re and people say, well, isn't it um, a weakness to forgive? Oh my gosh, it's strong to forgive. It's exactly the opposite you may feel vulnerable. People who worry about feeling vulnerable can't handle that. They're not as strong as people who can maintain the vulnerability. So it's very important to forgive. And recently, you know, we're always learning. We're always growing. I mean, some of these things you all, all know already. And some of these things may just want the awareness. But somewhere deep down inside, most of you probably all know this information. But we're always learning and growing and finding metaphors and everything. Just like a week ago, I heard a gentleman talk about the fact that um, he had heard in the philosophy class about uh, seeing everyone as if for the first time. That's one of the principles we learn in School of Practical Philosophy. It's a big deal. And often we don't know the big deals of what we learn until we put it into practical use. That's also what I'm all about, the practical side of everything. The princess of practical positivity, I should change my name. He said that he and his father had not had a good relationship at all. I don't know for how long, but 20 years, 10 years, something, something really a long time that they, I don't, I don't think they were even talking to themselves, but a really bad, something happened. And um, he didn't want to go into it at the time, okay? He had heard about the principle of see everyone as if for the first time. And he said, I'm going to apply this to my dad. I'm going to go visit and see him as if oh. the baggage of all the crap that they had that was making them on both sides not talk to each other, okay? Or have a bad relationship. He went there. And he said his sister was there too because he. what happened was he, he needed a corroborating witness because he was afraid he wouldn't even believe later that that happened. A rapprochement of, they were talking, had a relationship. The next week, his father died. Now, can you imagine, this is the power of this stuff. Can yeah. you imagine if the rest of his life he had to carry around the heartache of, of not having that principle that he followed. That's what he said. No matter what we learn in philosophy class, even if I think it's silly, I'm doing it. <laughs> so even if you think some of these practices I teach, you may want to really think about them. Wow. I, in my own life, had had my own reasons of not of approaching someone for the first time. I like so. that. I, I, by the way, I've been taking notes, you know. Are you see me writing? No, I've been... It's like I'm taking a seminar here. Uh, I'm, I've been writing. I've been writing notes down. So that's you should be impressed. Oh, thank you. No, I, I, it, I am. This is so life affirming for me because it's so mission or, you know, one of the things I talk about in one of my 
seminars of that you know that I hope hopefully people here would like to take uh, talks about mean, fit, finding meaning and purpose. It's really important. And if you don't, well, we'll maybe get to it later. Uh, if we have a chance, I'll try to talk about it later because I don't know if we'll have the time. But it's really important. And for me, this gives me meaning and purpose in a huge way. So it puts me on. I, I feel on fire if I can help people with what I yeah. know and 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 has helped me too. And, and, and an, edit, an, an editorial comment for me, I, I've lived my life, uh, I'm a septuagenarian, and, and I, I, when you hear, like, you approach someone, see if, if it's the first time, it's like, wow, I mean, it's, it's laced with forgiveness, uh, and, and it's powerful. And, and I've taken in my life elements uh, like this, which I'm going to use this now. Uh, no, I am going to use it. Uh, and, and some of the stuff really has made my life so different, better. Uh, so it's powerful stuff, what you're talking about. It's so, and you know, you can take it on the smallest levels. Let's say a friend is has bothered you a couple of times with some of the things that they did that you didn't really love. And the next time you're approaching them, you're probably carrying, oh, they did, they did it for that reason again. Like you, you start having baggage and you start seeing them as if they're, you know, hurting you. If you just clean it away and see them for fresh eyes, a lot of times you'll see they're not doing anything this time. But I just thought because of my old baggage that they were. And even if they are, so what? Because we talked about the fact you want to forgive. That's the corollary. Even if they are, even if you see them with fresh eyes and you your fresh eyes shows you that they are doing crap, you know, forgive because you want to forgive to live and budge the grudge. Plus, it makes space for possibly a patch up later on. So it really depends on what your values are. Are you valuing your friendships? Are you valuing, you know, like no one's going to do this to me. If that attitude will hurt you, it will hurt you because you're going to be carrying around bitterness and anger. It's really about, I always bring back to people to this and it, you have to, I have to constantly remind myself too keeping your eye on the prize. I think if I had to say one word to sum up everything that I do, keep your eye on the prize. And the prize is your own well-being. <laughs> so, you know, why should I do that? They don't deserve my forgiveness. You know, you can hear that. Uh, they don't deserve, not relevant what they deserve or not deserve. Maybe they deserve to go to Hades in a handbag. You deserve to be healthy and happy. That's the point. Keep your eye on the prize. So because it's so easy to say, you know, we talked about it. Well, they don't deserve it. it keep your eye on the prize so that you can ask yourself the right questions. So you can be aware of what are the right questions. The right questions, does this make me healthier? Does this serve me? That's what we're all about here. Not the other guy. I don't care about the other guy. I care about you. <laughs> That's a great uh, the other gal. <laughs> keep your eye on a prize. Uh, it was a, it's also a, a great uh, civil rights. I have to bring my mind to that all the time. It's to just, remember. I, so I, I, watched it, I watched it twice uh, a few months oh, ago. Oh, sorry to interrupt keep you. Your eye, no, keep your eye on a prize. It's just a great, um, the, you know, the context. Keep your eye on a prize. Um, um, anyway, um, next up, uh, uh, inner. Peace thieves. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I said, what the hell is that? <laughs> you ever heard of the stinking thinking? That's one of them. I, again, you know, just because I teach this stuff doesn't mean that I myself have to use mechanisms and strategies to help myself. It's like you, I know where to go. I may be able to get faster to uh, equilibrium or maybe not on a particular thing, but I try. And that's the point. So stinking thinking is one of them. It's like the self-sabotaging thoughts that you have that can go round and round and round on your head and they can make you crazy. And these thoughts may actually be legitimate thought. Well, all thoughts are legitimate. My friend Fanny used to say, you can't legislate emotion. I love that. But I say, but you can vote it out, right? I try to vote it out with my strategies. But um, so you need strategies to help you with this stinking thinking. And um. One of the strategies I like to use is like replace to erase, replace with a better thought to erase the other one. Because science shows, you know, social sciences show that you can't 
hold two thoughts, two opposite thoughts in your mind at the same time. So you replace it with a better thought to try to kick out the other. So that's one strategy of other strategies. But um, self-sabotaging thoughts are difficult and they're painful. You know, I shoulda, I woulda, coulda, shoulda, I regrets. You know, you, you can't, there's strategies to handle that too. Because we're trying again, the eye on the prize, beating yourself up is not going to help you. We're, we're about growth. We're all about growth on this earth. And you find me a perfect person. You're finding me nobody. Yeah. Um, next up, um, also in your talks, you, you talk about giving yourself uh, a, a daily dose of self-compassion. Um, That's a good question, right? There's a great segue from what I was just talking about. <laughs> yes, because self-compassion is forgiveness turned towards yourself. Um, and that is often harder than forgiving somebody else because often we're even harder on our own persons. I mean, you know, you go to the store and you're trying to buy, you know, spaghetti, special spaghetti and caviar for a lovely dinner you're making for your husband or your wife or your friend or whatever, right? And you go to the store and you buy everything else but the caviar and the spaghetti and you come home and you go, what an idiot, I'm so stupid, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's not helpful. What you would say is replace that because all this stuff creates this ajita that you have. You you know you I have I created something because um, it's called stop, drop, and roll, and I wanted to create it that way because people remember. God forbid, with the someone's on a fire, you know what do you do? You stop, you drop, and you roll to try to get the flames out. So I use the same word verbiage, and I say stop the negative thinking, drop it and roll over to positive. Same thing like replace to erase, you're rolling over. So for example, with when you go to the supermarket and you forget everything, you get everything but the thing you went there for instead of like, I'm so stupid, I'm so dumb, you know, whatever. Cause you wouldn't do that to a friend, would you? Treat yourself like a friend. So you say, you know what? Again, like nobody's perfect, but I have something wonderful that I'll find in my cabinet that I can make because I'm creative and I'm gonna figure it out. And you know, you start giving the, you give positive, stuff because all the negatives that you do they add up they add up they reaffirm you know mm -hmm. that your own stupidity i've stopped saying that i used to say i'm so stupid you know no first of all i'm not but yeah, i could tell myself i am but it, why would i do that i wouldn't do it to a friend so i say i don't do that anymore you know or or if i find myself doing something i stop because i understand i stop drop and roll over to something else okay um, if someone hasn't found their unique, passionate purpose, and, and, and this is like really heavy to find a purpose, it, it's such an energizer to, to realize, uh, it's funny, it took me about 40, 50 years to find a purpose. Um, uh, uh is there, um, any kind of a breakthrough? Yes. I'm glad you asked that because that is really important. So on week three, I do talk about finding your unique, passionate purpose, or I like to say passionate purpose for fun, because I'm a princess, right? <laughs> but if people feel that they really can't find that or, or it's too much trouble, or they they're confused or whatever. And again, through my, this course, I will walk you through different ways to find it like lots of different ways. Um, I like to, to tell people about the social science that show that even when you help another person, that feels like, it, like meaning, like such meaning. Like you don't have to get meaning from, well, you know, my uh, purpose was to be a lawyer or my purpose was to sing opera. And we, you don't have to have something like a distinct label. The idea, and there are all kinds of stories about this, when you help somebody, and some, believe it or not, sometimes when you help somebody, you don't even know it. For example, there are stories, I think they're in like Chicken Soup for the Soul stories, where um, a, a person has been like suicidal, and they're walking down the street, and someone flashes them a smile. And just that smile mm -hmm. saves them from what they were going to do because wow. they didn't 
feel so alone. It's so now that person who smiled at them might not have known that they did that, but what if that was their their purpose on earth to save that one person in that, or, you know, just that's huge. Right. So I always have, I walked down the street, like a, like the Cheshire cat. You know? <laughs> like if somebody's walking down the street, that's thinking of, you know, knocking themselves off, like, <laughs> you know, cause you don't know. So just your existence, first of all, just your existence is a purpose because we're daisy chains to other people. Again, your warmth to someone else is a warmth to somebody else, the ripple effect, the butterfly effect. We don't know it, but we, each one of us is important. So, but the bottom line, and we don't always feel that way, but the bottom line is if you can, so, so if you, if you're feeling blue, if you can get up one day and think I'm going to, okay, what, how will I be of service today? And there's this great, uh, AA, I think, uh, um, Alcohol Anonymous tape by this woman named June. I think you can find it on the internet. And she talked about how being a waitress, she, she has a wonderful, incredible story about her life and how deep she fell uh, since a child. And then I think she ended up becoming an attorney uh, when, but she was drugged out. I mean, it was unbelievable. Okay. I, I think she was trying to I didn't want to go into it in case I inspire somebody to do something not good to themselves as an early age. But, um, and she realized even as an eight, she was bored being a waitress. And then she said something like, you know what? I'm going to change this. I, you know, cause she was saying this one's complaining. I want the mustard. And I went and who we were like, who cares? She would say to herself, you know what? I'm going to bring the mustard to this person because this person needs that mustard to go about and do what they need to do on their day. And this person needs their ketchup to go about and do it. And it was, she said it changed everything and she wasn't bored. If you could just see yourself as someone who as an individual is helping just by being alive and being of service and, you know, how can I help? How can I help? That is, will give you, will give you a great chance of having a feeling of having meaning. Powerful, powerful. It is powerful stuff, yeah, but you don't powerful. know these things. Yeah, it is powerful. Um, one last kind of winding down, because uh, actually uh, I could prolong this for hours. <laughs> I mean, no, really, there's like a million <laughs> questions floating around. I haven't written questions, but there's so many. But to corral it, uh, one final thing. Um, are you willing to spill uh, spill the beans um, on your million dollar secret for inner peace, which was a parenthesis in the title. Okay. I'm going to be a naughty princess <laughs> and tell her you're going to have to sign up for my courses. Smart. To learn that. <laughs> Smart. And, and that's the way it should be. You know, and that's the way it should be. Uh, I will tell you, so I don't seem so naughty, that inner peace is a very important aspect of happiness. I will leave it at that. But I have I have a wonderful strategy in my talk. But some people don't understand that that is an important issue. And so I'm giving you that gratis because of my royal largesse. (laughs) Which is great. Uh, in a New Jersey princess, I, you know, it's, it's great. Um, this has been great. I, I, I agree. You know, this is our second uh, little thing. Uh, uh, and again, uh, I, I thank you for your graciousness, uh, for your nobility, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, your royalty. <laughs> uh, no, and really, uh, you know, these almost five years, Diane has been very special having known you. We worked together uh, and I got a chance to, you know, to, to learn so much more about you. I mean, there's so many levels and, and depths. And and I, all I can say is what the stuff you're saying, I took notes. Uh, stuff really works. It does. You know, I've lived it. I, I live it. I lived it. It really works. And, and and sometimes when I'm trying to convey messages to people uh, about when you find something that really works and and uh, you, you want them to kind of be aware, you used that word before, you know, be aware. I, I try to recreate a scene from one of my favorite movies, Moonstruck. I love that movie too. When Cher, oh, Cher right? Nicholas Case, snap out of it. 
<laughs> snap out of it. What a great, and, and that's what I, I you know, uh, it's like I want to gently tell people, snap out of it and take this stuff in. Right. Really now, again, as we mentioned, not everyone can, if it's something that's really a medical issue, I don't want anyone to feel oh, sure. that. And I certainly can't diagnose that. But just understand that, you know, if it's serious like that, I want you to try to get help. But if it's not in that area, and you and you can benefit still from these things, but it but barring that, there you, you can snap out of it. Uh, slow, some just learn if you want to with learning ways. Let's put it this way: this is a continuum. It's not like you're you're you know you're totally blue. Again, with this group of people that's not medically, you know, having problems, totally blue or totally, you know, happy all the time. This is a what it's called like a continuum. You're somewhere on the continuum, and the goal is to move the needle towards positivity. That's the goal. Moving the needle incrementally as much as you can, but know the direction. That's the key. Moving the needle. And, and and that's how we'll close. Move the needle. Move the needle. You can. So uh, I'm uh, formally inviting you to come back, and you did come back. So come back again because yes, I'd love to. Yeah, come back again. Uh, and and I'm excited for Make Mondays Marvelous. Me too. I'll, I'll throw this flyer up on social media, uh, beginning Monday the fourteenth. Uh, it's really exciting. It's a great graphic too. Of, you and thank you. I had someone do that. I think she lives in Pakistan. You know, you do on Fiverr. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, I know about that Fiverr thing. This is a, it's a great graphic. So, um, a happy Saturday, uh, happy everything to you. Happy that's what we talk about happiness. I just right. coincidentally said happy Saturday, happy weekend, uh, yes. and we'll talk and come back. Thank you, my pleasure. I will. Thank you, Diane. I'm thank signing you, up everyone. now. Thank you.